0: you're listening to the dma contact center podcast hello and welcome to the dma contact center council podcast i'm david friedman council member CEO of Confero Call Centres, and today's podcast host. The DMA is running a series of podcasts on how contact centres are faring in light of the COVID pandemic. Today, our focus surrounds the significant technical challenges that call centres have faced when they've made the unplanned move from their main centres to homeworking. For some, this has been the catalyst they've been waiting for, but for others, It has created enormous technical and operational challenges to help me get under the bonnet of how call centers have adapted to the challenges caused by covid i'm lucky enough to have two hugely experienced and insightful industry guests with me today Neris caulfield is a renowned independent call center consultant with over 22 years experience in the industry and danny singer is founder and ceo of noetica a contact center technology provider. Welcome to you both.
1: Hello. Hi, David.
0: Before we go on to discuss your industry observations, could I ask a quick personal question? What effect, if any, has COVID had on your businesses and the ability for you to deliver services?
1: Well, from our point of view, we deliver technology and we have always thought that we needed to actually go and meet customers face-to-face in order to be able to deliver the best possible service. Obviously, we can't do this anymore, so we deliver everything remotely. We are currently installing a a rather large and complex system in Australia, and nobody has got on a plane or indeed outside their front room. So from our point of view, it's been a revelation. We've been able to do the same kind of things, to a better standard even, without the discomfort and cost of travel. Uh, So from our point of view, it's been all good.
0: And therefore, more profitable?
1: that's that's sort of less of a consideration because from our point of view it 's just a question of of travel and time, but uh, I think more effective and possibly uh, easier and quicker to implement than having to plan for travel and being on site, particularly for our international business
0: that, that's great to hear and have your have your clients felt about not having you on site uh, as expected. Uh, <laughs>
1: we are We are not offended by the fact that they don 't seem to mind that they don 't meet us
0: <laughs> okay uh, that's that 's really interesting and, and great to hear Nerys?
2: Um, yeah no it 's been a very very busy year we 've done a, a with a great team of associates done a virtual virtualization of a contact center, which has been really interesting because you would imagine that doing transformation when you are thinking about people, process, and technology does need some face-to-face and sitting in, in in the environment but we delivered it it was delivered and it was well delivered I do not like as much doing uh, contact center audits virtually so I've had to adapt that my days out on the calling floors and workshops with team leaders and sitting side by side with agents that's had to be very much adapted and I lose something there um obviously the output is bloody marvellous still but um i definitely i hate not sitting next to the agent so i've tried to emulate that by having sort of coffee um virtual coffee catch-ups with them and yeah but it isn't the same and i miss having a nice costa and a bagel
0: Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's the difference, maybe, uh, Danny, a nearest between a technologist and a people person. Uh, not that you're not obviously a people <laughs> person, Danny, but <laughs> I think this may uh, dictate a lot of how our world is going to evolve, I think, post-COVID. But thank you. That's 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 really interesting. So, Danny, you're obviously working in technology and telecom sectors. What have you found has been the major technological changes that you've seen evolve during the pandemic over the last six, seven months?
1: Well, I would like to make four main points. First one is slightly more philosophical, and the other three are much more practical. The first one is that what I think we've discovered in the last six months or so is that there is clear separation in our current world between geography and activity. I think what we found is that this kind of concept that we inherited from the Industrial Revolution that you have to go to a place of work where you join hundreds of your colleagues to achieve some form of activity, maybe no longer holds water. Maybe what the information revolution has, has delivered is a separation of this geography from activity. We no longer need to go to a central place of work in order to achieve what we want to achieve. And maybe it's been only in the last 20, 30 years that the technology allowing us to do this has happened. So I think that, you know, we were reticent to abandon the sort of habits of 100 or 200 years. In the perspective of history, this is, a, this is a blink of an eye. But for the generations since the Industrial Revolution, it seemed an eternity. So we basically felt that we have to go to work. That's the way it works. What we've discovered is that having to go to work does, does not necessarily mean having to go somewhere physically. So I think that is something that will have a lasting effect on where we go from here. I think the information revolution is only just beginning, and I think it will have an effect on our work habits. So that's sort of a more philosophical point uh, behind the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a more practical uh, level, uh, what, what we found is three, three main things from a technology perspective in con- contact centers. First of all, there has been a resurgence in the need for outbound dialing technology, which always is, you know, in the last few years has been, has been seen as a bit of a nuisance or, or something that, you know, was, was being, being slowly pushed out of the, of the mainstream. Suddenly what we find with things like track and trace, uh, vulnerable people, trying to get in touch with people has become something that could save their lives rather than just annoy them. So we see a resurgence of this kind of technology for for good purposes, rather than to try and sell you stuff you don't want. The second point, a practical point, is the fact that necessity has proven yet again to be the mother of invention. Before the pandemic, most organizations or contact centers in particular did not have the courage to shift to a home working model despite the clear economic benefits. But once they were thrown in at a deep end, they found that the water was lovely. A new trust and confidence has now been built around this mode of working, particularly since most technology has moved to the cloud in the last 10 years. So there was very little to do, apart from the mental block, to actually move to a home environment because the technology was already in the cloud. And finally, there's a technology that has seen a revival because of this, and that is things like voice analytics and particularly real-time boss analytics, because you don't have anymore the ability to control your agents or see them all in the same building, being able to be alerted when something goes wrong in a call, mid-call, has become hugely valuable. So suddenly, this technology that was a sort of nice-to-have has become a must-have. These are the main things that I've seen as far as technology is concerned since the pandemic started.
0: That's a very interesting point, of course, around the voice analytics and because clearly one of the challenges has been for any business remote working is how you monitor your staff. And in a a call center environment, uh, especially a voice based one, that's, uh, you know, that's that's always been particularly difficult. We know that you can't just put a a webcam on everyone's PC and, and watch them all day uh, because of all sorts of things, including data protection. So uh, that's an interesting involvement. And is that, is that part of, of an area that you've been involved in deploying? Yes, have you- uh, have Absolutely,
1: you... We've, we've deployed, uh, just before the pandemic started, we've employed a real-time voice analytics integration to our system. And it's the real-time element that makes a huge difference. The fact that you, know, you don't actually apply the voice analytics sort of two hours, two days, two months later, but you apply it as the call is in progress. So you can get alerts when calls develop, for example, things like the wrong emotion, the wrong sentiment, the wrong content, and you can then address it there and then rather than later on having to uh, try and repair it. So this has proven a huge success. Also, it's voice analytics in the sense that the agents become aware that there is a robot listening to them And possibly Mm -hmm. alerting somebody if things get out of hand or if indeed they do not follow certain guidelines. So that improves behavior purely by its existence rather than by its effect. So what happens is that in many ways what you see is that there's less need to intervene because the fact that agents know that they're being observed makes their behavior better anyway.
0: Well agents always know they are being observed i guess the uh the question is whether a, a robot in effect doing 90 plus percent of the observation rather than a more of a 50 50 balance is ultimately going to be the right way forward but uh i guess time time will tell yeah, but I mean, clearly this this theory. what this what this will do is it will really stress test these these technologies where we haven't maybe done that you know so much before
1: yeah, I mean, in our experience, we've been working with this now for about six months, and it's really proven remarkably effective. I was quite sceptical about it to start with, but I'm I'm slowly becoming a a convert to, to this kind of kind of technology. So yes, it seems to be working extremely well.
0: Okay, naris I'm sure you you'll have some things possibly to say on that, that side of things as well. But from from your perspective, Neros, has anything? surprised you about how well or in fact how ill-prepared some of your clients and call centers have been to support this model of homeworking?
2: As an industry, no, it probably hasn't surprised me how ill-prepared some have been, which risk manager would have put this on their uh, list of things to consider. And of course, the DR planning and, and that side of things is, is a well-known question when you're sourcing software or when you're considering re, you know deploying as a consequence of X, Y, Z happening. One of my customers actually has always sort of had this situation where they say, right, everybody needs to be out of the building and you all have to go and work from home and then they'll understand how well that has happened and they were doing that way before pandemic was even you know in a bat's eye so I think those businesses have done well as a consequence of being able to have that agility and that aptitude and all the right technology to become work, home working but no some have done it dreadfully you know if you think about BPOs who always say oh yeah we'll, we'll get a bus and we'll get all our agents and we'll get them that, that, that's just a lie they haven't got a bus they don't know how they would get a bus Um, and it's exactly the same here yes most are on cloud but still quite a lot aren't so it wasn't easy so there was a lot of re-engineering going on a lot of agents on buses with like servers under their arms not (laughs) not how you would want it to have actually played out so um, it hasn't surprised me you know if you think back to Y2K that got everybody in a spin this was like that but in a very very short time frame there was just a lot of panic and a lot of plasters being thrown out onto situations now I guess what's interesting is is the tactical going to move into strategic and is where people have found themselves now as a consequence of that emergency going to be where they are are going to see themselves long term
0: for those that were ill-prepared and perhaps throwing their staff on buses <laughs> which you can you can picture the scenario actually i was speaking to a center owner the other day and he literally said they had a they lined up a row of taxis and and actually physically put the pc put the keyboard put the headphone into the taxi with their employees sent them off home um never having stress tested anything like this previously but actually they're really happy it's working fantastically well having overcome mm. the, uh, those first couple of days have you seen any any centers that have been detrimentally affected by having to work from home or do you think after the first day or two everyone's just acclimatized.
2: So I've, I've seen a lot of contact centres during this time going through that initial phase of panic and this is never going to work and how is this going to work and some really not great decisions about what they were going to do with their AM advisor community and how they were going to support them, you know, like you're only allowed to speak to your team leader for three minutes a day, it's like how in whose world is that helpful but I think that, that definitely Uh, most businesses have adapted there's some that had to you know that we were working with that had to close their lines as a consequence or offer much much reduced hours of operating so I think customer experiences have been compromised I think fortunately it's sat in a backdrop where the customers who are having the experience you know are experiencing all this themselves so there's you know there's much more empathy going on towards Poor customer experiences. But very quickly, people put on their IVRs, you know, to say, listen, our guys are struggling, please be kind type thing going on, in the, and that sort of thing. So, yes, people are adapting, but I still think that there's some challenges that technology in many ways can support and, and overcome. But it is a very different way of working when you're an advisor and it's that relentless nature of managing transactions and doing it without a mate sitting next to you so yeah
0: it feels like most contact centers to this point have been given the benefit of the doubt by their customers. you know maybe this was created from the NHS and the empathy that was shown to to those workers and and I think that's transgressed probably across many sectors. The the question is whether centres are now feeling as effective today and what that will be in six months time, you know, when they're expected to be delivering full service levels, full hours, that the excellent quality training and response and so on. Do you see that becoming an issue or do you see that having gotten used to this way of working, that will just become normal practice?
2: Harvard Business Review have said sort of 44% of contact centres are experiencing greater rates of productivity within their agent community. I would love to... Does that, does that
0: mean 56% oh. aren't? <laughs>
2: yeah, well, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so I suppose, yeah, there's, there's definitely that side of it. But it's also, what is the, going to be the impact on attrition? What's the impact going to be on employee satisfaction, NPS... CSAT scores and NPS do at the moment seem to be holding fair but it is is understanding the context of which people are saying you know yes I would recommend or yes that was a good experience given that they are considering that against the backdrop that we're in so um, I think that the general public's forgiveness of poor experiences will will diminish and I think ultimately There will be some centers because, of course, you know, we're thinking about worlds where we know that there are operations that are 100 percent home working and has always functioned like that. But the other side of that is contact centers who never have, certainly in public sector or you know some of those environments outbound environments they don't really lend themselves very well to home working. so th- there's some of factors that you have to consider about how it's going to look going forward and what the impact's going to be to the customer and an agent experience
0: yeah it's, it's the team motivation and and all of those areas that I think will uh, we, we don't quite know the answers to as yet as to how important that feeling is versus the you know the, the remote managing and analytics and so on which helps to to a certain extent. You touched on obviously some centres already working from home but w- what percentage do you believe were already doing that prior to coronavirus?
2: Well, if you look at Babel, it's sort of 20 to 25% were with another 9% doing trials of it so
0: exclusively 20 to 25 percent were working yeah from home prior to okay so that so that's a, a fairly chunky number and that, is there any breakdown as far as you're aware between in-house centers and bpo outsources
2: not that i'm aware of no not that i'm aware it breaks it down into sort of small medium and large more so than it does uh, yeah in-house or or outsource and I, and I think the statistics now are bearing out about 70% are working from home so, so there are still you know centres that are having to have their agents come into the office either because Absolutely. from, from yeah. a security point of view mm-hmm. or they haven't technology-wise they are not set up to allow remote working.
0: Yes I, I'm sure that will always be the case that some are just not, not suited but it it's interesting. Now, obviously, we've got a majority rather than a minority. Mm. So, so thanks, no. So, Danny, what what have you seen has been the most innovative strategy for moving to remote working for within either businesses you know about or, or your customer base? Have there been any really clever strategies that have been?
1: Yeah, I can um, I, I can give you one one example thing that sort of stood out for me. One of the most difficult things to deliver to agents' homes was good quality of voice calls. I think the the whole idea is that if you talk to a call center, you want to ensure that the quality of voice is the sort of same standard that you would have if you were working in an office. This was mainly dependent, when once people have moved to home working, on the reliability and the quality of their home broadband. And we all know how patchy that can be. You know, we have many situations where our, our Zoom meetings have been sabotaged by uh, mm-hmm. some spurious uh, disappearance of our broadband for, for seconds, minutes, or hours, or, mm-hmm. or, or indeed fragmentation of, of broadband. So, the first thought for these was to use their, their mobile as their phone, because what happens is that in some cases, agents have a much more reliable mobile signal than they had reliable broadband in some areas so the problem with with using their mobile as their phone was that worked fine until they realized that the bills could become astronomical <laughs> uh, when you actually start using your mobile however there was an ingenious solution to this and that was to deploy apps that use voice over ip on the mobile de- data network default all the mobiles to an unlimited data plan which was a lot cheaper so as long as you do that, then first of all you can control the costs of this thing, and you can deliver really good voice quality in in areas where broadband is either patchy or where agents. We know agents are not the possibly the best paid people in the world, so they they will probably not go for this sort of uh, gold plated broadband service for their home, and therefore you may find that uh, their their home connection is not not ideal, and therefore. Using their mobiles, particularly the data service over the mobile network, was, worked really well. And we found that uh, in, in many situations, also separating the applications uh, which run, have to run on, on uh, their data network uh, from the voice made, meant that they would not, if they were dropping, they would not drop together. So you would find that the reliability of the voice remained there even if the application suddenly had a glitch. Yeah so we found that that from my point of view that was the thing that i found most interesting or probably most striking as innovation in this time and it was it was deployed you know in a matter of of hours BPO.
0: so what sort of business uh, what, what what sort of business are they that and this initially worked for
1: well uh, i've seen this done in two places both of these people were bpos or outsourcers mm-hmm. we work a lot with outsourcers so that's not a big surprise but they were very creative in doing that and they were able to very quickly speak to their mobile providers and actually get a pretty good deal on data and therefore control their costs immediately. Um, So they
0: delivered what, SIM cards?
1: There are two cases there, so I don't want to go into particular commercial details, but basically they either have given their employees a, a mobile phone already with a SIM card in it or just given them a SIM card, and they went onto this deal that allowed them to have unlimited data.
0: Okay. Yeah, that certainly can help to overcome in many areas. With 5G coming down the line, that will uh, undoubtedly improve those uh, those possibilities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it makes voice much, much more reliable.
0: Yeah, we, we certainly had a challenge with one of our agents that was working from, from home, testing a system, literally bedroom to a hallway and it didn't work and had to go and take her pc down and and sit in a hallway day after day in order to get a decent broadband signal so i wonder if that might have been a, a better alternative option thanks for the tip
1: yeah no <laughs> Just, I, I was impressed a bit of lateral thinking and and, and and suddenly hey presto everything works
0: great okay now it's you know thinking about homework and we We've said clearly there are, well, so far there appear to be some benefits of of, of home that we're all aware of from a, a lifestyle perspective, potentially from an efficiency perspective on one hand, but with challenges around motivation and, and perhaps a sales type environment and, and so on. On on the other hand, you know, Danny's talked a bit about some specific technologies, but how do you uh, see that technology will help to to evolve this if it becomes the, the sort of, you know, the deployment of choice moving forward? What sort of things do you think will make a, perhaps an even bigger difference in an ideal world to, to how these businesses are working today?
2: Well, you know, you come from an environment where you've got lovely, beautiful wallboards and you've got then a much filtered down version on your dashboard as a supervisor or as a team and now that's all that's left is your dashboards which mean that as a team leader you're sort of managing your agents by metrics it's a classic you know that's that's what contact centers have always all been about unfortunately is is measuring the life out of every single uh, part of an agent's day but that's that's the only thing that is happening now without the support of things like whatsapp groups messenger groups uh, zoom meetings so i think it's interesting that the uc you know the unified collaboration tools are really now coming to the fore as well to complement the work that there's certainly the supervisor community team leader community are having to do because it's you know the agents are becoming commoditized into just a number without the context sitting behind it. Well, I haven't answered as many calls or my adherence is out because you know the dogs barked five times today and I've had to put my phone. I have had to put myself in unavailable. So perhaps the the traditional functionality that is all well and good when you're in an environment where you can overlay it with color and context needs to be now supplemented with video and you know you see chat fun IM functionality and that side of things. But also there's this game this resurgence and real focus around gamification and sort of engendering this sense of team that is difficult to emulate when you're all working remotely. So I guess those are the 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 bits of technology that I seem being used. And of course WhatsApp and Messenger are like the IT team's nightmare because it's a real ghosting technology. So they're now bringing in, well, is it going to be Teams? Is it going to be Zoom? Whatever, to support that face-to-face support, knowledge bases as well. Sorry, David, just quickly, I think what's interesting is some of the agents that I've spoken to have said, they're in two camps really one they're feeling exposed because they've sort of hit a new cycle of conscious incompetence because what they used to do naturally was just defer to their mates and go oh you know I've got a call at the moment put on hold and this is happening what do I say or you know hands up to the supervisor or three-way call whatever and that's been taken away. So some of them are feeling very exposed and therefore things like agent assist spots are being looked at more and more to help bring knowledge into the agents based on their real-time translation of their voice or their text path but also others are feeling empowered as a consequence of that and going right now I have to just do it on my own and I have to be able to feel like I, I can make decisions on this call and get the right outcome from the customer and I'm going to do that without walking over to a desk ha- raising my hands speaking to my colleagues so, so it's quite different experiences I think for, for different agents as to whether they're feeling exposed or empowered. And technology can definitely help with both of those things
0: yes for sure and i think with a bit more planning and and foresight some of those things may have already been put in place and, and many no doubt to come as anyone as any sort of blue sky thinker said uh, i don't know you know i'd love to have a pair of 3d goggles and be able to see my team and we you know we can all roam around together all day like in you know in the old days pre-covid yeah. uh, has, has anyone well, that, come up with any anything kind that of is just, a thing sounds a bit crazy but
2: no, it's Maybe not. Further. That is a thing. You 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 have got. There is one solution. I'm. I don't know if it was just for Expo that that solution was. Uh was being showcased but yeah the team leaders can put a VR headset on and virtually go around and and have a floor plan or you know they would see where their agents were they would see their you know their agent number and press on it and then they would see the performance and that side of things and yeah so I I don't know how that all how that on floor I don't know that you can get a virtual uh, you know football table so that's that's what I'm going to try and (laughs) design that's
0: your next project. I'm looking forward to it. I'll give it a try. Thank you for listening to the DMA Contact Centre podcast. This episode will continue with more information and opinions on how COVID and lockdown will affect our businesses. Be sure to check back with the DMA for more information on all your data and marketing needs.